Hey, thanks for listening to Cornerstone Church. You can find us on the web at akcornerstone.org. And we want you to know it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will use this message to either save you through the good news about Jesus Christ, grow you into the likeness of Jesus, or send you to proclaim Jesus in the Spirit's power. I feel directed by the Lord today to try and speak to you about the love of the Spirit. And that's a very difficult thing to do because the act of teaching is an academic thing, but the love of the Spirit is an experiential thing. But it is the love of the Spirit and not the love of Dale Shillington, so I believe that the Holy Spirit is here this morning to help you. He's going to assist me in the task as I endeavor to struggle through the foolishness of preaching to talk about this using words I believe the Holy Spirit is going to anoint it by helping us to understand it and to get it today. I I want the teaching to bring us into experience. I want to uh, experience the love of the Holy Spirit even as we explain it and to awaken within our hearts a love that we've never comprehended before. He can do that. He can do that. The scripture I'd like to particularly jump off from is found in the book of Romans chapter 5. And I want to uh, begin reading verse 1 of chapter 5. The verse that I'm focusing particularly on is found in verse 5. But Romans chapter 1, uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now this verse is telling us that it takes love to be able to endure. It's interesting how this verse appears in the context of persevering and enduring and then he talks about the the Holy Spirit pouring God's love into our hearts. In order for us to make it in the battlefield of life, we need to have that love of the Lord within our hearts. Another verse I want to look at as a way of getting started is in Romans chapter 15, verse 30, where it says, By the love of the Spirit, strive together with me in your prayers to God. It's a very interesting way in which Paul words that sentence when he's encouraged them and asking him to pray for him. And he's saying that this prayer will be um, bubbled up or incited or um, motivated. It will spring up from love. He says, by the love that the Spirit gives you, strive together with me in praying for me. And it suggests that it takes love not only to persevere and endure, but it takes love in order for us to have the desire and the motivation to pray for people, to have intercessory prayer. So when you 
are asked to pray from, for someone what it takes to be motivated to want to call out and cry out to God on their behalf is this love of the Spirit within our hearts. And then another verse that's been very meaningful to me all my life is found in Galatians 5, 6 that says that nothing counts for anything. And he's referring earlier in the verse to Old Testament circumcision and he's saying all of that Old Testament law, it's all hard to do. It's it's a hard thing to do to live for God unless we have love. He says nothing counts for anything but only faith that works through love. The only way that the Christian life can work right and the way that the Christian life is designed to work is by love. And the only way that we can do church is through love. Life has no meaning without love. The gospel has no message without love. The church has no fellowship without love. Our homes cannot function without love and our marriages will not work without love. Now, there are three things I'd like to unpack today. The first is the idea that the Holy Spirit is the love personality or the fiery passion of God. In order to understand the work of the Holy Spirit and what the Spirit does in our life, we need to understand first that He is a person. When Paul speaks of the love of the Spirit... He is telling us that the Holy Spirit is a person. He has the capacity to love and to be loved. So he's a loving personality. The Holy Spirit is a person with a loving personality. In Galatians 5.22, he says that the fruit of the Spirit or the result of the Spirit's working in our life will be love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's a character of love. So that means that the Holy Spirit is not just an influence or an impersonal power or some kind of mental illumination, but He is a person. He is the love personality of God, the fiery passion of God. Divine love has a personal name, and it is called Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a divine personality, and His personality is love. You want to know what God is like? Does God have a personality? Yes, He does, and it is like love. That's why it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. So God's love, Paul said, has been poured out upon us through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Nicene Creed says that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and from the Son. So he's a real person who binds the Trinity together in an eternal community of love. That's very significant. In other words, we could say, God lives in a life group. You would expect me, the pastor of life groups, to say that, right? God lives in a life group. He is the one that, that's why we do life groups. That's why we believe it's very critical and important and biblical 
to have a life root because God has designed us and created us in His image and His likeness. And God has designed us to live in community with others. For the Trinity is made up of three persons living in one relationship. He is not three gods. He is one God made up of an interpersonal relationship between three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has a beautiful role in this relationship, and it's that relationship that we're concentrating on today. He is the love that bonds the relationship between the Father and the Son together. I really like the way that a couple theologians, much brilliant than me, explains this. One is named Henry Nouwen and the other is St. Augustine. So here's how Henry Nouwen explains it. So just bear with me. I'm going to read some spiritual reading right now. He says that the all-embracing love which epitomizes the relationship between the Father and the Son is a divine person, co-equal with the Father and the Son. This divine love has a personal name. It is called the Holy Spirit. The Father loves the Son and pours Himself out in the Son. The Son is loved by the Father and returns all that He is back to the Father. The Spirit is love itself, eternally embracing the Father and the Son. And Henry Nouwen is echoing St. Augustine who also brought a great teaching on the Holy Spirit. And Augustine said that the Holy Spirit is the love between God the Father and God the Son. And he insisted that the Holy Spirit is love itself. And here's how he reasoned logically. If there be among the gifts of God no gift any greater than love, because that's what it says in 1 Corinthians Corinthians 13, The greatest gift is love, right? So if the greatest gift is love, says Augustine, and there's no greater gift of God than the gift he gave us of the Holy Spirit, then what follows more naturally than or logically than that he himself is love who is called both God and of God? So Augustine says that we can use the word love as a proper name for the Holy Spirit. The Spirit also is given love, he said, as a proper name, even though the Father and the Son are love as well in a general sense. So here's how Henry Nouwen put it. He said, this eternal community of love is the center and the source out of which Jesus lived his earthly life. And it is the center and the source of Jesus' spiritual life a life of uninterrupted attentiveness to the Father in a spirit of love. It is from this life that Jesus' ministry flowed and developed. His eating and his fasting, his praying and his acting, his traveling and his resting, his preaching and his teaching, his exercising, that is exercising, casting out demons, and his healing were all done in a spirit of love. We will never understand, says Nouwen, the full meaning 
of Jesus' rich, richly varied ministry unless we see how the many things are rooted in the one thing, how he listened to the Father in the intimacy of perfect love. And he said, when we see this, when we get it, we will also realize that the goal of Jesus' ministry, why he came and what he came to do, the goal of Jesus' ministry is nothing less than to bring us into that intimate community of the love that exists in the Godhead. Think about that. Isn't that profound? The whole purpose of Jesus' ministry is to bring us back into the house of the Father, back into relationship with the Father. Not only did Jesus come to free us, to deliver us from Satan, from the bonds of sin and from death, to deliver us from all of that. He came to do that. He came to deal with the effects of sin in this world. But he also came to lead us into the intimacy of this divine life. Into fellowship with the Father. He came to lift us up into community with the Father. And that's why it says in Ephesians 4.30. Where Paul warns us to be very careful to not grieve the Holy Spirit. He said, grieve not the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit by living a, a self-orientation, by living selfishly, by having acts and attitudes that are not in accord with the love of the Father. And wherever the Holy Spirit flows, we need to be clear on this, that where the Holy Spirit is pleased to dwell, there will, there will be no lack of love, for He is the spirit of love. And where he is, there is always love. So the Holy Spirit is the love personality of God, the fiery passion of God. He has the capacity to love and to be loved. So what then is the Holy Spirit's mission? Why was he poured out at Pentecost? Why did God send Christ send the Holy Spirit as his last act on earth? When he says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit before I you know, um, ascend to the Father. Why did he do that? In the song that we just finished singing, we were thanking the Lord for sending the Holy Spirit to this earth until his work is done. What is the work that is not yet done? It is the spreading forth, the pouring out of that love that Paul talked about. The job of the Holy Spirit is to pour out His love upon us. And then my final point that I'm going to get to, but to give you a hint to it, is to also create a community, a church, on this earth that becomes the embodiment of that love so that His kingdom of love is established in this world. Now, if the Holy Spirit is going to pour something out on you, what's He going to pour out on you? We're thinking about the work of the Holy Spirit. What's he look like? What's he do? What's the nature of his ministry? It is all about love. The Holy Spirit is a flame of love. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. He pours out God's love upon us. Now, I don't know about you, I tend to leak out really quickly. 
so he might fill me with love and, and then I leak out. You know, the Bible talks about, uh, uh, you know, whoever John says in his first epistle, I think it's chapter 1 John 3, 6 or 16, if we abide in him, we do not sin. And I can wake up abiding, I can have my quiet time with God and get into abiding and feel really good, be filled with love, and then by 10 a.m. I can get out of abiding, right? I can leak out really quick. So the, the key to the Christian experience is to keep filled with the Holy Spirit, to keep filled with that love. For the Holy Spirit is the agent of divine love, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is always nothing more or nothing less than the pouring out of divine love. That's what God's mission, God's goal in the, in the redemption of this world, in the perfection of this world, uh, getting the world back into an order in which He created and designed it and dreamed it to be, is a world full of His nature, which is the nature and the personality of love. It's non-love that makes the world a mess today. And His Redemption of the world is going to be a world filled with a kingdom of love. Now, God the Father is the source of this love. God the Son is the model of this love. He's the Word that became flesh to show us what God in heaven is like. And the Holy Spirit is the agent of love. Love originates in the Father. It's revealed to us by Jesus Christ. And it's poured out upon us in the Holy Spirit or by the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the agent of God in this world who makes real in us what is true in the Father and what is seen in the Son. One way of explaining it, I guess, is to say that the Holy Spirit is kind of like a real estate agent who takes a piece of property that belongs to somebody else and he turns it over to us so that it becomes ours. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite words that I find in the Bible is the word fullness. And the Bible says that the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus Christ. And then there's a very profound thing that Paul tells us in Colossians. That, and that is that we can also be filled with the fullness of God. Christ in you, the fullness of glory. Isn't that amazing? That says, tells me that the Holy Spirit came to take all of the privileges and all of the properties that belong to Jesus and passes them on to us. That that fullness, that that fullness of of love that dwells within the eternal community of the Godhead is what can also fill us. And that is God's deep dream and goal. That is the purpose of redemption. That is His desire for this world. And that's why we absolutely need the Holy Spirit. You cannot live without the Holy Spirit. You cannot live in a way that glorifies God without the Holy Spirit. For you cannot love as reflects the nature of God without the Holy Spirit dwelling and pouring in you that love of God. He is the only way that we can be transformed into the image and the likeness of His Son who became on earth a model of what God in heaven is like. 
And if the world is going to know what God in heaven is like, where are they going to look? Where will they see what God is like? They have no place to look but to the church, which is to be the embodiment of that love on earth. I love what Paul says in his great prayer. I think it's the most wonderful prayer in the Bible. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 and 19. I'm going to jump right into the middle of his prayer. And he says that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power. The assumption there is that we're weak, right? We need to be strengthened. We can't do this on our own, right? We need to be strengthened. Strengthened with the power that comes through who? Through the Holy Spirit. Where do we get this power? To live in a way that we're not capable of living by ourselves. To live in a way that's not natural to us. It comes through His Spirit. And where does He empower us? Where does He change us? Where does He make us like the Lord Jesus Christ? It's in our inner being. That you might be strengthened through the Spirit in your inner being... So that, what's the purpose of it? That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith so that you would have the strength to be able to understand, to comprehend what all the other saints have gotten and understood about God. And that is the length and the breadth and the height. I got it mixed up, right? Breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ, that is mind-blowing, that surpasses knowledge, that is a knowledge that is too deep for words to understand. Right now you're hearing a man stand in front of you using words. And they're academic words. They're, it's hard to put in words what can only be understood by experience. And, and this is not my job to do, but the Holy Spirit has come and He's a gift to you so that you can have this mind-blowing experience of, of understanding the breadth, length, height, and depth, the full dimension of the riches of His glory, of His love in your own heart, so that you can be what? Filled with all of that same fullness that is in the Godhead. That you can be filled with the fullness of God. Do you understand that? <laughs> I only understand it a little bit. You know, it's like I have a thimble full maybe. Maybe my thimble's just got a little squirt in it. But I have had a taste of God that has captured me. And that keeps me steady. Paul said... You may think that I'm out of my mind, but it's the love of Christ that constrains me. There's no explanation of the way that I live, but I've got a taste of the fullness of God through the pouring out of the love of the Holy Spirit. And so the job of the Holy Spirit is to guide us back home into the eternal community of mutual love that exists between the Father and the Son. And He guides us to the truth of what that community in heaven really is like. And, and, and we need Him to help us to see it because all we see is the brokenness of relationships and systems around us in this world, right? You, you try to explain to a bullfrog who lives in Kansas what the ocean is like, 
Can he comprehend it? Or you try and explain to a whale in the Pacific what life is in, in you know, the, the, the middle America. What, what, you know, how is he going to explain it? Understand it. You, you, you have to experience. You have to be there. You can try and use words. But it's the Holy Spirit that helps us to understand and comprehend which we are not capable of understanding because of our limited human experience. And so the Holy Spirit is poured into our hearts to make the love of God comprehensible to us. I shouldn't say comprehensible like up here. It's like comprehensible here. It's got to get from the head to the heart, right? And we can't get it until we're filled with the Holy Spirit. He is God's truth brought inward into the heart. That's why you read even the Old Testament in Proverbs over and over. He says that, that you might hide God's word where? In my heart. That truth might be brought inwardly. That's always been God's goal. That truth is put upon the heart so that the, the spring of action, the spring of motivation, the spring of desire springs from affection for God. Not out of duty and obligation and got to and drudgery and, and dread. But we live in the joy of a relationship with God because the Spirit whispers in our hearts that we're children of God and we cry, Ah, oh, dear Daddy, Abba, Father, I love you. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. You know who the Holy Spirit is? He is the kiss of God to your soul. He is the kiss of God to your soul. Let me challenge you to go home and do a Bible study on the, on the word kiss in the Bible. It's amazing how many times the word kiss shows up in the Bible. And I had the audacity yesterday morning at our men's breakfast to talk to manly men of Alaska about the five times in the, in the New Testament, the command, not a suggestion, but the command is given that we greet one another with a holy kiss. So, okay, everybody, right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Think about that, though. Why, why is that in the Bible? And why is that important to describe what life is like in the body of Christ? It's like, you know, we got, we got to greet one another in the, and treat one another and acknowledge one another and love on one another that is in accord with and reflects accurately how God has treated us. And so we are invited into the loved presence of God, which is the most intimate, eternal community of love. And he wants to build that community of the Spirit here on earth. John 17, 26 gives us an insight. It's G Jesus is praying here. Oh, this is beautiful. Just to think about having words recorded about what Jesus actually said in a prayer. When you love to have heard Jesus pray, here's what he said. He was thinking of you. He's thinking of me when he's talking to his father. And he said, I've made you known to them, and I'll continue to make you known, 
in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. (laughs) That's what he really wants. That that love that Jesus enjoys with the Father might be in us so that we might know it and we might be filled with it. And it will capture us and revolutionize us and cause us to live for a cause and a reason that we've never seen before. Isn't that incredible? Jesus wants us to enjoy the fellowship of intimacy that exists in the community of love in heaven. And the whole goal of Jesus' ministry is that very reason, to bring us into the intimate community of that kingdom of love. There's an old story of a father whose son was left wounded on the battlefield during the American Civil War. The father went to visit his son and see how he was doing. He was full of love and couldn't sleep at night thinking of his boy. And so he came to the place where they were camped and he learned that his son was missing. They hadn't returned from the last battle. So the father himself went out in the darkness to try and find his son. And with his heart on his lips, he went amongst the dead and the wounded, crying out, saying, John, your father wants you. Your father has come to find you. I'm here, John. I want to take you home. Are you hurt? Where are you, John? And soon a groan brought him to the boy's side and immediately the father bent over and he picked him up and he staggered back into the darkness carrying his son to take him home. Well, our Heavenly Father has that same kind of love for you and for me. He wants us. He wants us so much. He came to find us. He came to get us. And he came to be our comforter, our advocate. He came as a manifestation of sacrificial, divine, perfect love. No other love has equaled this kind of love. He came to this world to bring our wounded soul back into the Father's house to heal us and to make us a reflection of what he is like, to make us perfect. He wants to make you perfect this morning, beloved. He came to heal us. And let me tell you something. You cannot make it through the battlefield of life without the love of the Holy Spirit. You need Him. And that's the context of Romans 5. He's talking about persevering. He's talking about enduring. And then he says, God has poured out His love upon us by the Holy Spirit. That's what is so imperative. That's what we need, that the Holy Spirit is God's love in action, coming to us, bending over us, reassuring us, speaking to us, comforting us, consoling us. He's the active expression of, of communion with the Father. He's the the Father coming to us saying, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. And you need to hear that whisper of the Holy Spirit this morning. Some of you feel unloved. Maybe you've never been loved. But God, the Father, wants to love you right now with His Holy Spirit. 
Oh, Lord, open up our hearts so that we can know your love in the full dimension of it that cannot be calculated nor understood in her human earthly terms. He wants you to feel the flame of love inwardly for yourself, not secondhand from somebody else, but for yourself. He wants to set your heart on fire with love. And here's how it works. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins in order to reestablish a right relationship with the Father. And so Jesus came to give us a right standing with God, to get us in, 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 in the right place where we're, we're reconciled with God. We're pardoned of our sins. He died for our sins so that we're brought into relationship with God. And our relationship with God is based upon the righteousness of Christ, what He did for us on the cross, not for what we can do in ourselves. There's nothing that you can do ever to earn God's love for you. He already loves you in advance. You don't have to earn it. You can do nothing to get it. He's already given it to you in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ, through His atoning blood, reestablishes that relationship with God. And you just have to believe it and receive it. And that, that's called relationship. And the Holy Spirit's ministry then takes it one step beyond, one step further. He takes it from relationship of being in right standing with God into fellowship where we taste God, we experience God, we know God, and we can enjoy intimacy with God from relationship to fellowship. And let me tell you something, fellowship is God's goal. That's why Jesus died. And that's why His last act on earth was to send us the Holy Spirit to move us from relationship which happened at the cross at Calvary into Pentecost where we receive the kiss of God's love within our own soul. So we can say, thank God my sins are forgiven. But then we move into a life of strengthening and empowering where we're filled and cleansed with this awareness that we are loved in a way that is perfect and whole and clean. And let me say that Christianity will not work without love. It's a faith that works only one way. It's a faith that works by love. That's what Paul meant in Galatians Now, I want to raise another question, and that is God's um, presence, when He shows up, when the Holy Spirit is here, should be distinguishable. We should know. We should be able to recognize it, right? How do you know God's presence when when He's there? How do you know when God is near to you? I think you can probably guess what I'm going to say. It's the pouring out of love, right? It's the awareness of love. That's how you recognize God's presence. And, and here's how God brought it to me or taught this to me. It was just last fall, actually. I was up at Victory Bible Camp attending a dunamis project. I'm a part of the Dunamis Fellowship of Alaska, which is a, several teachings on the Holy Spirit that we have up, up at Victory Bible Camp. And I was doing some teaching and participating in that. And one evening, I think it was the first evening actually, there was a, a time where a call had went out about 
um, whether or not there are people in the audience who had been hurt by the church or hurt, offended by pastors and had damaged, been damaged by that and was carrying um, hurt, emotional you know, brokenness because of that. And Brad Long, who was the director of Dunamis up from North Carolina, said, Dale, you're a minister. Would you like to pray over these people and ask the Holy Spirit to bring healing over these hurting hearts? And I said, I'd be willing to do that. And I began to pray. And I want to tell you that normally the way I recognize the Holy Spirit in my life is with words. One of the Hebrew words for prophecy in the Old Testament means bubble up. And, and if you want to know who Dale Shillington is in the natural, in the flesh, in the human, I'm quiet, reserved, timid, farm boy, from a back roads, dirt road in northern Ontario. And, and when I go home, my wife's going to want to talk to me and I'm ha- going to have no words to say. But when I stand up in front of you right now, this is a miracle you're seeing happening. This is the Holy Spirit giving me words to say. I just don't normally ha- have words to say. But it's, it's, been the mo- the, it's been the biggest joy of my personal walk with God, how God helps me to say something. Amen, Max? Max knows about this. But this night, Brad Long says, Dale, you pray a prayer. And I felt like I had no words bubbling up. And I went back, and I, but I prayed a prayer, went back to my room, and I was defeated. And I'm talking to the Lord saying, Lord, have I grieved you? I, I didn't sense anointing tonight to pray this prayer. What? Is there something wrong? Is everything okay? I came back the next morning and what is customary for us at Dunamis is to do a debriefing after a ministry event. And so Brad Long, his first question he asked was, he says, let's talk about last night. And first question was, did anybody sense love here last night? And immediately I knew exactly what he was talking about. For though I did not have words bubbling up so much, I had such love for these people who had been hurt by the church that I could not hardly speak. I was so broken, so hurt for the weight that they were carrying. And then Brad said, "Um, did anybody experience faith last night? Did anybody sense faith in the room last night? I went, yes, because when I was praying for these people, I was believing for them that they would have such total perfect healing over any damage that had ever happened around the church life that they would be restored from that and would get active again and be active participants in the church that they were a part of. I had love and I had faith. And, you know, so I'm not going to tell you how old I was, but or am, but it's taken me a long time to learn what I'm talking to you about this morning. And it's kind of like a no-brainer, though, isn't it? That this is how we discern the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, you read the book of Acts, they're constantly saying that Barnabas, he was a man full of the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you know if someone's full of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit pours out God's love in our hearts. So, let me challenge you. If the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you feel this love in your heart for someone or an issue, then 
step into the authority of the ministry of Christ who has given us the Holy Spirit in order to do God's work in our world today and step into that authority and let that love pour out of your heart into that other person through a prayer or through compassion or through some way. Or if someone, I mean, if the Holy Spirit gives you faith for an issue, you just are believing God for something, it may be believing God for a healing for someone, then act on that. Lay your hands on that person and pray for them and ask God to heal them. That's how we recognize the Holy Spirit. Through, that's the evidence of the Spirit when He shows up in these ways to bring peace, to bring joy, to bring love, to bring faith. For Paul said, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Oh my goodness, 1242. I'm going to quickly get to my last point. I've come up to the edge of it many times. God gave me this late last night. I believe it's one of the biggest messages He wants you to take away today. And that is that this all leads up to something that's corporate and is part of a whole group, not just an individual, not just to pour God's love in your heart for you, yourself, and me, but it's God has sent His love upon us so that we can then be a community of the Spirit that is knit together in love, that becomes that outpost on earth, that is a community on earth that represents the community of love that's in heaven. Well, that's a long way of making the last point, but did you get it? The church is designed to be a community of the Spirit that is knit together in love. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22. What an amazing verse this is. This is a verse that becomes the basis for why we do life groups. You also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That is the most awesome description of the church in the Bible. In the Old Testament, God dwelled in a tabernacle. Now, since Pentecost, where does God dwell? He dwells right here today. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, said Jesus, there am I in the midst of them. God dwells in His people, in the church And since Pentecost, God dwells within the church of Jesus Christ. When Christians meet together in unity, they become a landing strip for the Holy Spirit to pour out His love upon the world. That's why you need to travel in your spiritual life together with other people. For God is a God who lives and dwells in community, and He's designed His people to live and dwell and get healing, to get whole, to experience that love. You cannot experience it in isolation. You can only experience it in community. So Paul said the church is the dwelling place of God, and Peter said it is the living temple of the Holy Spirit. That means that God shows up and He changes lives in the context of community. And it means that the church then has a mission in this world to be the living embodiment of the eternal community of love that exists in heaven. Can you do that on your own? (laughs) 
with the personality that you have and the home background that you have on the side of the tracks you grew up on. I know I can't do this on my own in the power of Dale Shillington. I'm, I'm not good enough. I don't have enough love. I'm too selfish. I need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to pull this off, to pull God's big dream off, and God has no other plan but this plan. And He wants to knit us together in love. And that's why this is such a big deal to God that it comes with a warning in the Bible. Jude, the brother of Jesus, warned us about something very, very important. He said, be very careful that Satan doesn't creep into your church to weave division and to cause love to flow out of your fellowship. Listen to these words that Jude, the brother of Jesus, says. In, it is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. How does Jude describe people who cause divisions? He says they are people who are devoid of the Spirit. They lack love because they follow human emotions, worldly attitudes. The King James calls it sensual persons. The NIV translates it, they follow natural instincts rather than the Spirit. They follow the suke is the Greek word rather than the Spirit of God. We have to learn to walk in the Spirit. Paul said, sow to the Spirit, you reap the Spirit. Sow to the flesh, you reap the flesh. We need to be on guard constantly that we live a life that is in sync with the Holy Spirit. If we're not filled with the Spirit, then we're drained of love. A church that is filled with the Spirit will be a church that, what? Walks knee-deep in love. I use that phrase because I read about a revival in Western Canada that happened in the 1970s and the way that they described that revival when the Holy Spirit came down. They said we were all walking knee-deep in love. <laughs> That's what happens when, when we have a Spirit-filled church and a Spirit-filled life. It's the Holy Spirit that creates koinia, that creates fellowship. We've been talking as a staff here, and we're concerned about Cornerstone. We want to make sure that this is a church, as we grow larger, that it's a church that, that is easy for people to connect. And, 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 and it's a challenge. How do we love on one another in a church this big? And, and, and where do you go to get that, that kiss, right? The Greek one. <laughs> and how do we do that? And so we're open for suggestions and ideas, but certainly, above all, it begins with the Holy Spirit. And we need to be careful that we're on the right side of the issue, that we're not sideways with the Holy Spirit, but we're living in sync with the Holy Spirit, that we're not in disobedience to the Holy Spirit, but we're cooperating with the Holy Spirit. 
that's each one of us, that's each of our individual responsibilities to come filled up with the Holy Spirit. For as He is filling us, the place is filled with divine love. And that's the key to having a loving church. We absolutely must have the Holy Spirit. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Would you like to have a gully washer of love? (laughs) Would you like your home to be a place you go to that is filled with love? And our church to be a place... I have a vision that Cornerstone Church, tucked away here in the southeast side of Anchorage, be an outpost of God's love in this community. That's all that God is asking of us. That's the essence of what He's asking us to be. A reflection of His love. Ministers of His reconciliation and love. And that comes as we are filled with the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit at Pentecost as a flame of divine love. Let's go out and live it. Let's pray. I'm so aware, Lord, that these have been words. I pray that you'll take words and translate them into experience. Holy Spirit, come down, I pray. We welcome you. We welcome you as that kiss of love. We welcome you as that whisper of love. We welcome you as that wind of love. We welcome you as that fiery baptism of love. Come and engulf us in the presence of your divine glory. Fill our soul with that motivation of love, which is the key to living out the Christian life. I pray that you will make Cornerstone a church that is filled and exploding with love. That if we don't do other things well, at least one thing we do well is that we love one another in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, Holy Spirit, help us and fill us. Pour out your love upon us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.